Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is the KZYX News for Tuesday, July 13th. I'm Sarah Reif. Last month, summer steelhead were listed as endangered under the State Endangered Species Act, which highlighted some of the differences between the summer and winter stocks. Pat Higgins, a fish biologist and managing director of the Eel River Recovery Project, traces the life story of summer steelhead outward from the run of the river to the health of the forest, and finally to its place in the pattern of worldwide climate change. Oh yeah, summer steelhead are cool. I've always recognized summer steelhead and winter steelhead as separate. Uh, The genetic levels uh, 20 years ago when they were listed weren't sufficient to determine those genetic markers, and now they are. And yes, they are different. And to what degree could they kind of cross over and exploit each other's niches if they reemerged? I don't know. But summer steelhead return sometimes in late winter, February, March, but they can return all the way through May and into June. And uh, they migrated into the snowy hills of the eel on the east side and leaped the waterfalls uh, by using the snowmelt to ride up on. And then they hold in deep pools, almost like they're in suspended animation uh, for months. And then they spawn when it rains. And their uh, cousins, the winter steelhead, they're coming upstream and the summer steelhead are vaulting into the very top of the watershed and spawning. Also, their young have this unique life history from the eel to the Klamath Trinity to the rogue. And that's the half pounder. So summer steelhead, when their progeny mature a year or two and go to the ocean, they feed on the continental shelf between the rogue and the eel. And then they follow the salmon up and they're not ready to spawn yet. And they're called half pounders. And all of these rivers, the rogue, the eel, uh, the mad had a good population, still gets them. But the climate trinity, it was lights out. But uh, there were swarms of them that came in with the salmon on the eel. And uh, traditionally, people would start fishing for them uh, like around county fair time at the end of August. So uh, the rivers changed, but those fish are still there waiting for us to get the river back. The difficult part is that when the snow doesn't come and then the rains also fail, uh, these fish can't get up the stairs. They can't get into the high elevation habitats with the cold water pools because Uh, the flow regime. And uh, so this is climate change, uh, really double whammy and steelhead. Uh, The main eel, historically, you know, it had pools 50 to 75 feet deep. They had like cold water layers, you know, tens of feet deep. And so these fish could go down and seek refuge and then just come when it rained. Uh, But today, the rivers changed from that condition. And so uh, the summer steelhead niche is, uh, is, is closing. And so they're their fate's uncertain because of the uh, the change in snowmelt. Uh, to the degree that we can restore forced health, we can restore base flows. Uh, we can't make it rain and we can't make it snow, but we can make it so that more water goes into the watershed and comes out slowly. Uh, if we are looking towards forest and watershed health and the restoration of the hydrology uh, that was historically uh, in the range of norm in the eel. These fish are adapted. They have been in our rivers 10,000 years ago. The ice was down to Portland, Oregon. They basically inhabited all the rivers from there to Alaska. These fish can um, survive volcanoes. They can survive 
a lot of things and have over millions of years. And so their evolutionary history and tricks are in their favor. And the question is, can we get the habitat closer to its normal range of variability through collective action? And hopefully at a planetary scale, I'd like to see us turn the Eel River into a carbon sink to make our basin uh, carbon negative or at least carbon neutral. And uh, in doing so, uh, restoring the hydrology of our watersheds. And, um, you know, so the North Fork. The North Fork is an interesting example for summer steelhead because they are in the North Fork, but they need quite a bit of water to get over the falls, which is only a couple of uh, miles up on at Split Rock, marvelous rock formation, really dramatic area. And the Native Americans used to go catch the summer steelhead at the base of those waterfalls, and they were quite plentiful. But the North Fork dried up and has a reduced flow regime for a surprising reason. And that is because they quit burning in the basin 160 years ago because white people wanted to range cows out there and didn't want the fire. And the overgrowth of fur in the meadows, in the springs, and over the oak woodlands actually uh, created much less water flow and water storage because all of it went back in the atmosphere as evapotranspiration. And so summer steelhead in the North Fork could greatly benefit from a change in vegetation. And such a change was recently wrought by the August fire. However, the benefits accrued from this transition in vegetation will not be accrued in the long term if we don't get out there and help sculpt the oak woodlands and the grasslands and restore the hydrology of the North Fork so that it has the water for the fish, the food for the animals, and a sustainable system going forward in terms of fire regimes, which is a key driver on that side. So, you know, that's the way I think about summer steelhead. For KZYX News, I'm Sarah Wright. For all our local news with photos and more, visit kzyx.org. You can also subscribe to the KZYX News Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.